And we're going to go to chapter 40, Genesis chapter 40. And we are going to read from verse 5. We see here from verses 1 to 4 that there were two prisoners who worked for Pharaoh. They were thrown into the prison. They were in the same prison that Joseph was. And God was with Joseph, and these two men are here, and the captain of the guard gave Joseph the responsibility to look after these two people. I want to stop right here as the Holy Spirit wants me to, so let's just go back to verse 4 and just read that. Genesis chapter 40, verse 4. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. What is happening here? The two prisoners who came from Pharaoh's palace were put with Joseph here and they were there for some time. So they were there where Joseph was. And it's not like they were sent to the prison yesterday and the next morning they had a dream and then Joseph interpreted and then within the next three days, you know, they were out of the prison. No, they were there for some time. So we must understand this. Duration. The word duration is important. When God places us in a place of confinement, he allows us to be placed in a place of confinement. God ordained confinement is necessary and it's important. I'm going to give you the scripture for this as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to take you to that scripture. So I'm going to pull this scripture out. Let me just give this to you. So let's go here. Thank you, Jesus. You can stay in Genesis 40, but I'm just going to read the scripture here. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 27. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 27. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. This is New International Version reading. New King James, it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. It's the same thing, different versions, easier to read. Um, it's just making it a little bit simplified, but it's the same thing. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. What is the yoke? Yoke is a burden. What is a yoke? Yoke is a burden. A burden that is placed upon an oxen. A burden that is placed upon an oxen to keep the oxen in the right direction to get what it needs to accomplish. And God says it is good for a person to bear the yoke in his youth. Now, it could be youth, it could be whatever stage you are in, we have to understand, there are God-ordained yokes. Write this down. God ordained yokes. There are God ordained confinement that are there that is good for us, that keeps us in the right balance. God ordained confinement. Whether you like it or not, it's a good thing for you. God ordained confinement. How many of you, when you were going to school, didn't like to study? And if you didn't like to study. And there are some subjects you may like and some subjects, you know, you may, you might have not liked. I didn't like geography. <laughs> and, um, um, yeah. But you study to study and to get over with it. It's not something that you really like and you study. You know, for some kids, they'll say, I don't know who in invented the school and why do we have to go to school? And, and there are some kids like that too. 
There's some kids who go to school to play. They don't like to study. Regardless of how they feel, what they like, what they don't like, they know education is essential. They need to go to school if they need to get a proper job, if they need to land where they need to, where they want to. And they should bear that burden of what? Studying and doing the homework and doing what they're supposed to do to prepare themselves for where they need to go. It's a burden. What is a burden? Burden is a weight. Weight in itself is not bad. Write this down. Burden in itself is not bad. And we have to define burden and what type of burden is God talking about here. A good burden is a good thing. A bad burden is a bad thing. Where is the burden coming from is important. Good compression is a good thing. I've talked about this before through the Spirit of God. The trials that come from God is meant to make you stronger, not to break you. What the enemy will try to do when he sends things your way, his intention is to break you. But if God is there, when he makes your hand stronger than brass, your feet harder than iron, nothing can come and try to break you. Whatever comes and dashes against you, it'll break into pieces. That is where your strength is important. It's vital. That is where the strength that you need to have in your hands is important. The strength that you need to have in your legs is important. It is good for a person to bear the yoke in his youth. Now, I bore my burden that God had in my youth, and I continue to bear. The burdens will change. The burdens will increase depending on your growth. When you are uh, five years old, you can carry a, a little, you know, maybe uh, half a pound or whatever, small amount of weight. But if you're 20 years old, if you're still carrying like half a pound, something is wrong. Unless you have a physical illness or some muscle problem or some balance problem, then it's understood. Then at that point, it's a problem. But if you're a normal, healthy 20-year-old, you'll be carrying something that you can carry, that you should carry, which will actually strengthen you. That's what lifting weights is for, right? For muscle building. You never go and say, well, I'm going to lift uh, uh, quarter pound weights and say, I'm going to do it 100 times and I feel good about it. I build a lot of muscles. It doesn't work like that. There has to be some resistance. Weight is good. Burden is good. Good burden is good. There's a difference between going to the hospital because you have a baby in your stomach, you're going for delivery. You're going, going to go through pain, labor pain. It is pain, but it's a good pain because at the end, you get something that's so delightful. Whatever you carried all these nine, ten months, now you're going to see it in front of you. So you go expecting. Very different from somebody who's going to the hospital. Their stomach is big because they have, a can- they have cancer. They don't know if they're going to live or die. Very different. So burden in itself is not bad. What type of burden is important? Is it a good burden or a bad burden? Is the burden from God It's or is it a burden from the enemy? We need to learn to differentiate that. What type of a burden that we should not carry? Jesus said this. Come unto me, all you who have burdens and are burdened with heavy burden, and I will give you rest. What is he talking about? He's talking about the burdens that you should not be carrying. So there are burdens that people are carrying that they should not be carrying. Those burdens... God never meant for you to carry because those are like weight. Now I remember, you know, growing up in India, especially if you have to go to school, you have so many books. The books will weigh heavier than the student itself. You know, the student carries on their shoulder; it will go like this, walk around. That's how much weight the child will be carrying because of all the books, all the textbooks, all the class notebooks, and all the you know, notebooks that goes with it, everything you have to carry. And that little body will carry all those stuff in there. I'll go. Heavy burden. What is it doing? It's making that person not to be able to stand straight. Bend down. And if you don't balance that, after some time you can have a hunch. That's why you have gym and you have things that you do. 
to get yourself self in shape. But those books are like so heavy. You have so much you're carrying. But are you just carrying because you're just carrying like you're carrying a big rice bag on yourself and going and coming? No, you're studying. That burden is there. You carry, but you go, you study. And then what happens after that? It yields a good results. When you get into a good job and you make the money that you need to make in order to support your family, you're no longer carrying that bag. Only at a certain stage you're carrying that bag. After that period is over, you won't see everybody who carried the bag, you know, when they were 10 years old, 12 years old, still walking around, you know, being doctors and engineers or teachers or, or lawyers or, or school principals or, or, you know, office managers or whatever it is, you know, walking around with still the same book bag on their back. You don't see that. So burden is for a good burden is for a duration. If you're writing this down, write this down. Good burden is good for us. Necessary. It is for a duration. It changes. And as a child, you'll have homework and schoolwork and tests and those things will be all, oh, you do all of that. Once that childhood stage is gone, then you have another thing. You have high school exams and all those things that's there. And then once you pass it, then you have college things and this and that. Then when you get to the job, you have problems at your workplace and you have different things that you have to solve and keeps changing, keeps changing, keeps changing, keeps changing, keeps changing. But now with the change that is taking place, we have to look at the burden itself and see, is it a necessary burden or is it an unnecessary burden? Unnecessary burdens are the burdens that we get ourselves into, things that we should not carry, or things that are placed upon us by the devil through others, where we're carrying what we shouldn't be carrying. Generational curse is an unnecessary burden that you shouldn't be carrying because Jesus died on the cross to take away the generational curse. Sins are unnecessary burdens and the consequence of sin is not a necessary burden. It's an unnecessary burden that you shouldn't be carrying because Jesus carried on himself on the cross. He died on the cross for that. And when it comes to whatever curse it may be, you shouldn't be carrying that because Jesus carried himself on the cross so that you don't have to carry it. So necessary burdens and unnecessary burdens. So how do you know what is necessary and what is not necessary? So I want you to have the scripture as your foundation, even though you know it. Just go to Romans 8.28 and I want one of you to just read it out. Go to Romans 8.28 and read it out. Romans 8.28. Someone who can read it. I can read myself, but the Lord wants one of you to read it. So someone... Go to Romans 8.28 and read it out. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Excellent job, Princess. Can you read it one more time, little by little? And we know that all things work together for good to okay, the- stop right there, darling. Stop right there. And we know that all things, what do we know? We know this for sure. The fact is, all things, so write this down, all things, all things work together for what? For good. All things, if the verse stops right there, then it's not going to be right because there are a lot of bad things that happen as a result of bad things that people, bad people do to themselves. But there's a continuation. I'm going to have, well, we need to write down the first part. We know, we know, nobody can convince us out of this. We know that all things, all things, that means all things, whatever happens in our lives, to who is what carries in the next half of the scripture. All things work together for what? For good. So it's all working together for good. Good pressure is working together for something good. Good burden is working together for something good. For whom? In whose life that the burden that they carry will be good and not bad? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to to those who are the called according to his purpose. Praise God. Thank you, Princess. 
we know that all things work together for the good of those who are those people for who those who love god now when you look at those who love god if you want to look at the definition for those who love god not people say oh i love jesus oh i love god no who are the people who really love god is john chapter 15 i want you to go home and read it on your own look at john chapter 15 and god clearly says who loves god those who read his word and those who obey those who really do what god says those are the ones who really love god so to the obedient people those who really follow him to those who obey him god says whatever happens will happen for good whatever is happening it's all calculated it's all allowed it's all in god's plan it's all part of god's plan allowed by god for those who love god and then and to those who are the called according to his purposes so two things are there one is the call of god because god has called you you're here today otherwise you won't be here that's for sure because god has called you you're here today we pray all the time lord only those who are called by you only those who are ordained by you should be here same thing we pray for the church services too it's not about numbers it's about doing the will of god we want wheat minus the tares and we who are here we are the called of god and god has brought us here each one of you here god has called you you're here and the called of god when the called of god those who are called by god love god right you need to be called by god when you're called by god and you love god that's the equation 1 plus 1 is 2 right you're called by god and you love god to such people what will happen whatever happens who has the control god god has the control satan doesn't have control over the lives of those who are called by god and who love him So if you're called by God, which you are, you shouldn't have any doubt about that. If that doubt comes there, then that's Satan from the pit of hell. Don't you entertain that. You're here because God has called you. What else you need to do? You need to make sure that you love him. That means you obey him. You're called of God and you love him. If the two go together, then whatever happens in your life, whatever happens in your life, it's happening towards what for your good and for his glory so this has to be your foundation if this is there you're never going to be upset over anything that is happening if this is there you know god has planned my day god has planned what is happening god is over everything and god will show us sometimes you know what there's the enemy that's doing tell the enemy to get out god will show us what we need to do doesn't mean that we're never going to get a dark cloud doesn't mean that it's not an arrow that's going to come doesn't mean that nobody is going to fall by my side no a thousand may fall by us a thousand may fall at our side 10000 are right here but you know what it's not going to really affect you it's not going to affect you it's not going to negatively affect you it's going to make you stronger than ever before god is going to train you He'll train you how to fight. He'll train you how to overcome he will teach you what to do in every situation because each situation is different So burden in itself is not bad. Bad burden is bad. Good burden is good for us. So from lamentation we see it is good that I bore the yoke in my youth. It is good. It is good for a man or woman. When it says man it goes to both men and women. It's good for a human being to bear the yoke. If if it's youth it's good. start early even if it's, if that's not the case whatever age you are right now if you have chosen Jesus Christ to be your lord and savior whatever happens in your life understand that if you walk in obedience to the king of kings and the lord of lords he guarantees your every step he guarantees that he will turn everything out for your good and for his glory there's no miscalculations in our lives everything will work out towards God's blessings over your life. So with this as a foundation that God is working everything out for our good, now we look at the burden, the burden in itself. It's good that yoke itself is good because that yoke is going to keep us. That yoke is going to strengthen us. That burden that we are bearing is going to make us 
Because when God places it on us, it is for our good. It is for our promotion. It is for our elevation. It is for our exaltation. It is for us to be placed in places of honor where we can show Jesus more to all the people who are there. So God will place us in different places of honor so that we can show others who Jesus is. And God will bless us in the process. So it's good for a person that he bears the yoke in his youth. So whatever stage it is, when you bear the burden, don't say, Lord, why, Lord, why me, Lord? If you are called of God, which you are, so that's not in question. But the next question is, do you really love God? If you really love God, you'll be obeying God. So if your love is kind of uh, somewhere on the other end, you need to work on that and say, Lord, I'm going to love you with all my heart. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be loyal to you. The eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro, looking to see whose hearts are loyal towards him. Lord, I'm going to truly love you, Lord. I'm going to obey you, Jesus. To such people, God says, I will make you. Nothing can break you. God will make you. Nothing can break you. So now let's go back to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 40. And let's read here. What happens here? They remained in prison for quite some time. So there was a duration that God had for these guys to be there. And Joseph is there. And the time is um, planned according to God where these two people are there where Joseph is there and every day every night Joseph is in prison they are in prison those people are there for the crimes they committed Joseph is there in prison for the crime that he did not commit and it looked like the morning is never going to come every day it's night every day is nighttime it's prison and it's the prison where the king's criminals are there and Joseph, who is innocent, who is there, along with them. You know, what Joseph would have heard, he would have heard his pathetic story and complaints from this person and all the things that other people are all grieved about and angry about. And the atmosphere is not an atmosphere that's very pleasant where, hey, we're all so happy because we're in prison. No, everybody's miserable. But there is this one man who's not like them, who's not like them. He's totally different because he's not a criminal like them. He's not someone who is complaining like them. He's opposite. He's innocent. And they are criminals, but they are not like him. He is different than them. You know why? Because he had a different spirit. He was called of God and he loved God. Joseph was someone who was called of God and he loved God. We saw yesterday because he loved God, how he kept himself. He kept himself holy. He kept himself pure. Nobody need to come and tell, hey, Joseph, we have a camera here watching. No, nobody need to look at him. He wasn't really holy because... Somebody will go and tell him, you grandson of Abraham, what in the world are you doing here in Egypt? God is watching over you. No. Nobody. He had that relationship with God. While he was walking, he was talking to God. While he was working, he was talking to God. While he was sitting, when nobody was talking to him, he was a Hebrew slave. Now you can be in places where you can feel isolated, discriminated, whatever it is sitting, but think about Joseph. Joseph was in a country as a slave sitting there. He wouldn't have had people around him to really appreciate. Joseph, you're doing such an awesome job. You know how many times we all get so discouraged and so upset. I'm doing all these things and nobody is appreciating me. But Joseph was all alone. Worked so hard. Faithful to God as unto God. And he was always talking to God. Always talking to God. Always talking to God. Because he was always talking to God, he was not concerned about what people would think about him, what people would say to him. Guess what? Honor came looking for him. Honor will come looking for all those who look to God for honor that would come from him. Write this down. If you look to God and God alone for honor that comes from God, then 
God will give you the honor that needs to come from man. That's a promise. Because his promise is, you shall be the head and not the tail. You shall lend and not borrow. You shall be above and not beneath. These are the promises that God has given. These are promises that God has given for his people. God will place you above and not beneath at your workplace. God will make you the head and not the tail in your school, in your college, in your education, wherever you are. You're called to be an overcomer, a winner, a person who is at the top, who should be at the top. Because you belong to God. But there's a process. Will you trust him through the process? There's a process that God will take you through. Will you trust him through that process? When things don't go the way you think they should. The key words are, you think they should. How do you react? When you go through a period where you feel like, what in the world is happening here? When everything looks like it's going the opposite way. When you feel like everything around you is being shattered. As long as you know that you still love God. In the midst of everything that you love God, that means you're still obeying God. Regardless of whatever is happening, you can praise Him. Because whatever is shattering, God's hand is over that. If He tells you that's the enemy that's shattering, kick Him out, then that's what you do. If God says, oh, these things are shattering because I'm doing something new, I'm replacing the old with the new, then you say, praise God. Bottom line. You won't have any loss. God will turn all your loss into gain. That's the truth. If God is on your side, what can man do to you? What can the devil do to you? What can the weather do to you? What can the stock market do to you? What can your teacher do to you? What can your coworker do to you? What can whatever seasonal changes can do to you? What can your circumstance do to you? Nothing. There's some people who are constantly looking, sitting and looking at the stock market. What happens? What's going to happen? Are the rates are going up? Rates are going down. Rates are going. They won't even sleep. Because that's their God. They worship night and day. Who is our provider? God. Our eyes need to be upon the maker of heaven and earth. Our desire has to be to please him. He takes care of everything. He gives a supernatural dividends. He gives a supernatural increase. He gives a supernatural multiplication. He gives us the supernatural peace. He gives a supernatural promotion. Now, how many of you have gotten jobs that you shouldn't have gotten? You're not qualified for, but God gave it to you. How many of you have gotten into schools that you should not have because you're not qualified? Isn't God been good to you? That's the power of God. It's the power of God. To show a person when God wants to do something, he will bypass every law. He'll bypass every human law because his divine law will supersede human law. He'll give you what man cannot give. He'll give to you what people work so hard for. He'll just freely give it to you. That's who our God is. One thing you must do, you must truly love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Be loyal to him. All things work together for good to them that love God. To those who are called according to his purposes. Joseph was someone who was called by God and who loved God. And as a result of that, his confinement became a platform for his elevation. There's a transformation that took place. All of a sudden, the place where he was became a special place. It's because of that he went to the palace. But before that, something had to happen. The word of God tried him in the prison, the Bible says. His prisoners were there. He was there. He was surrounded by hopeless situation and guilty people. Very similar to Jesus on the cross. Jesus was innocent, hanging between two thieves. Joseph is over here, innocent, between these two criminals who are here and God gave him a responsibility look after these two people 
look after these two people. God has asked me this question. In your confinement, before your confinement would be transformed into a place of elevation or platform of elevation, the responsibility that God will give to you during your confinement, will you do it with all your heart? Will you do it without complaining? Will you do it joyfully? The people that God will entrust in your hands while you are confined. Will you do it with thanksgiving and with praises to God? Knowing that God is working everything out, even this. You know, there are people who complain for everything, burden for everything. Well, I myself, I'm confined and now, now I have to take out these people. There are people like that. I'm going through this now. I've been given a responsibility to take care of these people. Attitude matters. Those two people were placed before Joseph in order for God to bless Joseph. In your confinement, if God gives you a responsibility, don't you complain about it. Take it with thanksgiving because it has been given by God to bless you. It has been given by God to bless you and God will test you by giving that responsibility to you. Are you going to take care of what I've given you the way I've taken care of you? And guess how Joseph was faithful to God. Faithful to God. He took care of those prisoners, just like how God took care of him. If you look at God, you'll see in the book of, in the book of Genesis, God went to Cain and God looked at his face. And God looked at Cain and said, Cain, why is your face so sad? Cain, what he did was wrong. God humbled himself and he went and spoke to Cain. God is like that even today. The many arrogant, stubborn people, God humbles himself and he goes, why? To help them. Cain lost what God gave to him because instead of changing him, he challenged God. But you look at Joseph. Joseph was a man, you can see God in him in the prison. He's sitting here. He's been given the responsibility of taking care of these two prisoners. And these two guys, they both had a dream each. Verse 6 says, Joseph saw them the next morning. He noticed that they looked upset. He's seeing something. He saw their faces. He said, they don't look good. They look upset. And they're prisoners. They're not going to be getting up in the morning and say, hey, good morning. I'm so happy. No. But they looked different than how they usually did. They looked sad. They looked worried. He looked at his face. This is not how they usually are. I know these people. I've seen these people. And something is different about them. Joseph was so observant. He didn't say, well, uh, these people have been given to me and um, um, I'll do the bare minimum. Hey, how are you doing? I see you're worried. You know, it's pretty normal, you know, for the people who come here, you all be uh, up and down and up and down like this. And and I myself, you know, you guys deserve and I don't. And, you know, he didn't go like that. He saw their faces he was concerned about them. He said, I can't leave them like this. I gotta go and I'm gonna find out what is wrong with them. God is speaking to hearts today. Whatever God gives to you, do in your confinement. Are you being faithful to God? Are you being sincere before God? Whatever God has given to you, are you taking care of what God has given to you with utmost reverence and with utmost sincerity? Whatever God has given to you, are you taking care, good care of it? If I'm thinking about myself, I can't even see the next person who's crying next to me. 
you have to be very, very sensitive. There's a caution and a exhortation, encouragement from God to husbands. If you see your wives sad, don't walk the other way. If they say something, sit down and listen. If you see them crying, don't say, oh, you cry all the time and walk away. If you do that, you cannot call yourself as a man of God, don't you? If you're insensitive to the needs of your spouse who is right next to you in your own house, and you don't sit down to care, to hear, when Joseph took the time to listen to the prisoners and you as a husband, your wife is your own body, your own flesh, the first person who should be closest to your heart, next to God. If you are insensitive and you walk away, saying that I don't want to hear it, I don't want to see it, and try to avoid and go. You're not showing the heart of Christ to the first person that God will hold you accountable for. It's wrong to see what is happening and not even have the character to sit down and listen and to hear what is going on. Do you be able to understand and to pray with her to find out, Lord, how can I help her in this? If you're wrong, you should be able to humble yourself and say, I'm wrong. And to see how I can fix this. The peace of God in your family is more important to you, should be more important to you than your ego. Because Satan can destroy you and your family because of your ego. Same thing goes for the spouse, for the wife. When you see something is wrong in your family, whether it's with your husband or with your children, don't try to distract yourself with television or don't try to distract yourself with calling people and talking to them. When something is seriously wrong, but you don't even know what's going on in your house. Joseph knew what was happening within his confinement even though he was in prison himself. He saw the need. He saw the countenance had changed. He saw something was wrong there. And he went and he talked to them. Please don't tell me or tell God I'd really love my spouse, but I don't know how to talk, and so I don't talk. Don't you say that. Love will talk. Love will communicate. Love will listen. Love will bear the burden of the next person. has to be a spouse first. Within his confinement... The person or the people that God gave to Joseph, Joseph took care of them. Because of that, God gave him the kingdom to him. He said, you're worthy, Joseph. I know you can take care of this entire country. I know you can. That's why it took some time. God gave Joseph time in prison. Joseph was taking care of them every single day. Until one day God said, this is going to work out. Watch. And he gave them the dreams. God has set times and seasons for you in your life. Be someone who's caring. If you see your mother, you see your family member, not doing well, their face is sad. Don't go the other way thinking that, well, they are like this all the time. That's the devil that's telling you that way. Something is obviously wrong. That's a human being. That's your own flesh and blood. It's your mom. It's your spouse. It's your sister. It's your daughter. It's your son. It's your husband. Take that time to go find out. Stop accusing the next person. Sit down and listen. Sit down and listen. You don't see Joseph sitting and telling, well, you did this and that's why you were thrown into prison. And well, you did this and this is why you deserve this. And well, you... There are people who, who are quick to point fingers and cut the next person down before they can even finish a sentence. Don't you do that. Our church people should not do that. Let God's love be seen in and through your life. If somebody is going through something, sit down and listen. 
Sit down and listen. Unless you're a prophet and unless God is directly speaking through you and you know what the problem is directly, even then you listen. You listen first. To this day, that's how God has led me. Even though many times before a person starts it, God will show me things. But I listen. Take the time. Even if it takes 35 minutes, they just tell their whole thing, whatever problem they have, I listen. It is important for you to listen. Let the person speak, listen. And then see how God will have you to show his love to that person. Be a good listener. The Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to wrath. Be someone who will show the image of Jesus to the next person in a home. Be someone who will sit down and listen. Even if you feel you're right, throw your ego and sit down and listen. And pray while you're listening. Lord, help me to be that sensitive person like Joseph. Imagine if God doesn't listen to you, what will happen to you? And Jesus said this, love them just like how I love you. Joseph, who was a recipient of the love of God, in the midst of his confinement, he showed God's love to the people. To the people that were given to him, in charge, his charge. To the people that God has put you in charge of, or given you, placed you, wherever you are, it's your family. Be that person. In the house of God, be that person. Be that caring person to listen. Don't point fingers at other people unless you have arrived. That's what Jesus said. After you take your plank out of your eye, after that, after that, after that, you go and take the speck out of somebody else's eye. Otherwise, bring them to someone who can see who don't have a plank in their eyes. You don't you do that. Don't you do that. God has placed you in charge of whoever God has placed you about so that you can be God's heart to them, show them the love of God, to show them the compassion of God, to be Jesus to them, not to play God in any situation. Don't do that. Joseph never brought those people's past He didn't do that. Joseph didn't accuse them. He didn't do that. Joseph didn't say, well, you deserve this and that's why you're going to die. And I don't know why, but you're going to live. There's no arrogant speech there. There are many people who try to play God in the lives of others. All of a sudden they'll feel self-righteous and more holy and they put other people down. Don't you do that. Don't do that. Let God be God. Overcome evil with good. Be God's healing agent. Because if you, someone should be healed. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Give it into the hands of God. Because if you, someone should be comforted. Conviction comes from God. Give it to God. If it's your child, your younger child, your own child, who's under your roof, your control, then you have every right to tell them when they go wrong. Don't treat your husband like your son. Don't treat your wife as if she's your daughter. Don't do that. Let the Lord work. You pray. You be Jesus to that person. And you will see how God will blossom him or blossom her in the ways of the Lord. Just by your life. Just by how you live. Look what God did through Joseph. Joseph was a healing agent to the people, the people that God placed in his care. He never broke them down. He was so loving with them. They were so comfortable in sharing their dreams with Joseph. They were able to confide in Joseph. That's how your family should 
be when it comes to talking to you. They should be able to share anything and everything with you, knowing that you're not going to slap them with your words. You're not going to crush them with your fist. That you're not going to strike them down with your tongue. May you be a healing agent to those God has placed in front of you. That every time you speak, words of encouragement has to come. Every time you speak, words of love has to come. Every time you speak, they should feel comfortable to open their heart, to be able to talk to you, knowing that I'll be safe, I'll be secure. Knowing that God is in this person. God is in this house. Verse 7, why do you look so worried today? He asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business. Joseph replied, go ahead and tell me your dreams. Look at the confidence Joseph had because he had the spirit of God. He was someone who walked with God and someone who received dreams from God and someone who had experience of interpreting the dreams. So he said, revelation belongs to God. Now, tell me the dreams. Why? Because he had the gift, the spirit of God inside of him who could interpret the dreams, reveal to them what was going to happen. I'm not going to go further into this for tonight. I'm going to stop right here as the Holy Spirit wants me to. We're going to look at ourselves today in the presence of God. In this month of April, God is one, God wants to steer you in the right direction. God wants you to become a person who will carry his healing in your tongue. God wants you to become the person who have compassion on your lips. God wants you to become that person who bear the heart of God so that anyone around you will be able to approach you will be able to share their heart with you in this month of April God wants you to make you to a person will really be able to look at others not look at yourself but look at others if you're looking at yourself you won't look at others you know there are families where the children the spouse will be going through severe hunger, thirst. You know how the man will be drinking? Drinking and drinking and drinking. No clothes, no food. Starving. Wife and children. Meanwhile, the man is drinking. The wife will be crying. I have no food. The children have no food. Kids will be crying. You know what? He's drinking. Where is he? In another world. Even when sorrow is at his face, his mind is glued to that bottle. How can you see the face of those who are suffering if your eyes are elsewhere? You need to put that away. Whatever is making you callous, whatever is making you indifferent, needs to get out of your life. Whatever is making you into a monster needs to flee from you. If you claim yourself to be a child of God, the tenderness has to be there. The compassionate heart has to be there. Every day you should be able to look at the face of your spouse and look at the faces of your children. Make sure that nothing is bothering them. Make sure that everything is okay with them. Don't be someone who just calls and says, do you have this? Do you have that ready? Do you have this? Do you have that ready? Where's the human being here? Is that a workhorse? Be a person who's involved in the lives of your family. Instead of asking, is this done? Ask them, how are you doing? Instead of asking, is this ready? Ask them, did you eat? How was your day? How do you feel? Many homes, they don't have these things. They want to serve God. They want to win the world for Christ. Oh my God. Love begins in your home. 
practice this. This month, this change has to come if it has not been in your house. Make sure every day you look at your husband's face, look at your children's face, or you look at your wife's face, look at your children's face, or look at your mother's face, or whoever you're living with your face. Make sure you ask them how they're doing. Make sure that everything is well with them. If it's not, do what Joseph did. Be there for them through the Spirit of God. You need to have that walk with God, such solid walk with God that you'll be able to give Jesus to them. You'll be able to give life to them. You'll be able to bring joy to them. When you do that, God will take care of you. He will use you. Not only bring comfort to the little group that God has given to you, but he will elevate you and place you in places of honor where you can bring comfort to many people. From being someone who gave God's word to two people or a few more in prison. Joseph became a distributor of grains from the palace to all over, not only Egypt, all the neighboring lands around him. Where did he go from? From prison to the palace. How did he go? How did that confinement become a platform of elevation? How did it happen? Because he was faithful in his confinement. His life was not about himself, but his life was about those whom God had entrusted in his care. Whatever God has given to you, whatever your family, your ministry, or whatever God has given to you, the people that God has given to you, be faithful. If you want your confinement to become a blessing, if you want your confinement to become a platform of elevation for you, where God can trust you so that he can give more into your hands, then you have to be proved worthy where God has placed you, where the confinement is. Good burden is good. Because that good burden will become a platform for you so that you can move up to where you can do more for God. You can be a greater blessing for God. Joseph was a blessing for God in prison. God used the prison as an elevator right to the palace so he can become a greater blessing to a greater number of people. It's a promise, a definite promise God has given to us. We need to be people of God. We're filled with the love of God. Know the state of your flock, the Bible says. If you're a husband, know the state of your wife. Know the state of your children. If you're a wife, know the state of your husband. Know the state of your kids. Don't be someone say, I don't know what time he comes. I don't know what time he goes. I don't care. Don't be like that. You should know. What your husband is doing. You should know what your children are doing. You should know what your wife is doing. You know what your children are doing. Be involved in their lives. Be someone who's there. Who cares. Know what is happening with them. What is emotionally happening with them. What is physically happening with them. What is mentally happening with them. What is spiritually happening with them. Be there for them. Be like Joseph. And beyond your family. Whomever God has given to you. Whatever God has entrusted into your hands, be faithful. Then your confinement will become a place, a platform of elevation where God will use the very same thing to lift you up, to put you in a place of honor so that you can be a blessing to more number of people. He who is faithful in little, God will make that person ruler over many. Why? Now, his perfume can go to even more number of people. Your goodness can go to even more number of people. God will expand you and give you the capacity, the ability that you have here to be able to be useful to the prisoners in your confinement. God will just multiply that. He will just expand that supernatural like the five loaves and two fish. And then God will place you there where your capacity is increased now, where your ability to meet the needs becomes multiplied instead of a few. It goes to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Oh, precious Holy Spirit, precious Holy Spirit, precious Holy Spirit, precious Holy Spirit, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for the presence that is here, Lord. We praise you, 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 we praise you. Father, I know that you have spoken to your people. I know that you are in our midst right now. I know that you care. I know that you've spoken to us according to what our needs are. And you have blessed us, Lord, this day on the second day of fasting and prayer. Lord, you have revealed your mind to us. Lord, for some divine reasons that you know, that you've been speaking to us yesterday and today about family, that you're speaking to us from the light of Joseph. I pray may every single person take what you've spoken, Lord, yesterday and today to heart and to be faithful to the spouses that you've given, to be faithful to God, if they're not married, to keep themselves pure. And to be faithful to the people that you've entrusted into their care, in their own home. To be able to see the needs that are there. To be involved in the lives of those that you have placed in their homes, Father. That they may become people of encouragement and people of love that they may build each other up. Bless the people that you've given to them by the tongues that you've blessed them with. That those who are in their care or around them may be blessed by the presence of those who are in our church, Lord. That their families may blossom. That their lives may prosper. Because of those who are coming to help the Lord, I pray. May those who are not here in this church, may their lives be blessed, O oh Lord, because they are people's behavior. Their lives, O oh Father. May your people be caring people. May your people have the Spirit of God who cares. Even for those who have gone astray. I pray, Father, that you continue to do a mighty work in our lives. That every person who is going through confinement, wherever confinement may be, May they understand that if they love you and they're called by you, that is working out for something far greater. That in their confinement, they will be tested. That they may be true. They may be proved to be true and genuine. So that you may turn their confinement into places platforms of elevation for them to show God's love to even more people, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. As your servant standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, and bless your people at this hour. With the blessing that you alone can bless them with, that your people may become people full of grace, full of love and compassion. They may have the heart of Christ, the heart of Joseph. And that they may be encouraging children of God. That they may be caring children of God. That they may be Faithful, faithful, the children of God, without murmuring, without complaining, without arguing, 
that they may shine as lights in this crooked and perverse generation, that many be brought from darkness to light, that many souls be healed because of your people here, Lord. Many homes be built because of their testimony and their love for you and for those whom you care we have placed in their territory. With this blessing, I bless them with. And I thank you for doing this. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and bless us with his peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and remain with us now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Amen. Jesus.